Hi, I'm Daryl. And I'm Petros. And welcome to episode 10 of Getting the Foe You Season 2. Ooh. Where from Heaven's Gate to the present day, join us as we get to know Willem Dafoe in this dedicated Dafoe podcast. And just oh. like that, oh. here we are. The big ending. Season 2. Another one in the bag. The, the climax, the, the the climax of the sexy season. I'm so excited that we've that we've got to this point, though. Yeah. I nearly, I nearly, I I was making noises during your during your your introduction there. I, I kind of lost myself in the kind of oh, I'm ramped up for it. I know you put your rubber armbands on. You were dabbling in the sexy little pool on the <laughs> cruise ship we call the HMS Sexy Defoe. <laughs> And now here we are, um, you know, we announced the running order on social medias a while ago and we told you at the end of the episode last week, but now here we are in, you know, we said it before and I think it's very much worth mentioning one of, if not the most requested film that we could possibly cover mm -hmm. in the filmography of Defoe. And it could only be Speed 2, Cruise oh. Control. What a time to be alive. <laughs> I feel like king of the world. Oh, no. oh, sorry, I'm getting confused. Getting confused with my other 1997 uh, boat-based uh, film. Different doomed boats. Uh, both doomed in the terms of plot. One doomed in terms of box office. <laughs> um, these two took very different journeys in very different ways as well. So... This is a very fun episode. We, we get a full silly goose on this mm -hmm. week. And, you know, to name but a few, what are some of the things that we are touching upon this week? We are talking about uh, tr tr us trying to understand what the foe's character's plan of action actually was. <laughs> We're all kind of baffled. Uh, we asked the question, if a movie can give you Stockholm Syndrome. And of course, we figure out that all roads lead back to Bean. What does that mean? You'll have to listen and bloody find out. <laughs> and in many ways, I'm still asking myself these questions. Um, you know, even now. Um, but this is... The first time I've seen Speed 2, I know Petros has been teasing it throughout the season, the first time I've seen it, um, and I, I say it in the episode, but I'll say it at the top here, the fact this is available readily on Disney+, Plus, it's fucking astonishing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, interesting, an interesting movie, and this is typically, if you've ever typed in Willem Dafoe in the gift bar, of uh, any old website that gives you the option of GIFs or GIFs, however you want to say that, you'll have probably seen his face, and it's time to discover the origin of that face. Um, but I think it's fair to say we had quite the perfect guests to help us cover Speed 2 Cruise Control. And who do we have joining us, Petros? Oh, joining us aboard this cruise liner, which is the HMS Defoe Commotion, were Dave and Rich from the fantastic Unequal Sequel podcast, a podcast that looks at best, worst, and dream sequels. 
Um, and we find out which column this will fit in. But I'm sure if you've seen this film, you already know. <laughs> no spoilers in the intro, baby. <laughs> um, like I said, this is uh, the end of season two. So if you have been following us from season one, if you've just jumped aboard the Defoe Commotion train, or for this week only, the Defoe Commotion boat, and you've been enjoying what we do here, if you are enjoying the podcast, let us know. There's plenty of ways you can get in touch, plenty of ways you can show us that you are out there. Always more room on the Defoe Commotion train. Where can we be found? Oh, we can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Caged in Pod. Or if you'd like to drop us an email, you can do so by heading over to your little, little tippy-tappy, little email-y thing, or you're on Gmail, you're on Hotmail, wherever you're at, you can drop us an email, which is defoeupod at gmail.com. Absolutely. So reach out, get in touch. We'll be awaiting. But until then, let's jump into the finale episode. It is Speed 2 Cruise Control, the season two finale. It is a good one. Enjoy, and we will see you on the other side. To Tata. Getting to know you, getting to know all about Willem. Getting to like you by watching all your films. This week, it's time to take things up a nautical notch with the 1997 action thriller Speed 2. Cruise Control. Defoe stars as John Geiger, a crazed computer hacker who attempts to crash a cruise liner into a gigantic oil tanker. Now helping us get to know Defoe a little better this week and see if this cruise cannot lose or is just making us snooze are the hosts of the Unequal Sequel podcast. It's Dave and Rich. Dave and Rich, thank you very much for joining How the Devil are you both doing thank you uh yeah i believe we're right i hate talking for rich but i i think he's actually well at the moment which is i mean it's uh, the first it's, it? ra- <laughs> it's rare this year he's been ill for 75 percent of it so at the moment touch wood we're actually doing okay but yeah we're good thank you you can cow all the coughing that i'm about to do right like that's that's yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> no the coughing stays we, we record the nitty gritty <laughs> oh, well you're in for a ride then <laughs> uh, f- fantastic of course with that said we are always very keen to know before we dive into this one uh, with our guests, especially new guests to the podcast, we'd love to know. Dave and Rich, how well do you both know Willem Dafoe? So with that, we are very interested to know your Dafoe histories. Do you recall your first Dafoe film? How many you may have seen? And what are your general views on the man as well? I'll let you go first, Rich. I think, I think my first Dafoe film was platoon when i was far too young to watch oh. it i think i was about nine when I, <laughs> it. I went to a friend a friend's birthday party uh, where i seemed to watch all the inappropriate movies when i was a kid and was like a night can you imagine a nine-year-old's birthday party and it's like should we uh should we watch platoon 
Stop like, it's got it's got Smokey Robinson and the Miracles in it. You'll remember that bit for the rest of your life. So I'm like, okay, I'm like war torn nine year old with a fag yeah. in his job. Was, was it a platoon party? It was not a platoon party. I don't remember the, the theme of the party, but I don't think it was platoon. No, it's Apocalypse Now. This was a hard, this was a hardened kid. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, so I, I think I'm pretty sure that's my first Willem Dafoe experience. I can't think of anything before that. I've been looking at the list and thinking, it can't be Spider-Man. It can't be Spider-Man. Uh, mm. it, I don't think it is Spider-Man. I think it's the film we're going to talk about today on my end. I think it is Speed 2, Cruise Control on ah. VHS. I, I th- it must be. It must be. I'm old enough to watch that. It's a film that I definitely would have watched my mum and dad in the VHS rental days. If not, it's, it would probably have been... I have a memory of watching American Psycho on a plane to America in the year 2000. So mm-hmm. that happened. So that definitely predates Spider-Man. But yeah, when he came, he became a thing, didn't he, in uh, Spider-Man, the first one. Sadly, I'm one of those annoying people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. It's a lot. I think he, he always stood out to me because his name was Willem and not William. And I'm like, what? why? Why have you got a weird name? Why? <laughs> I'm gonna go go blow your mind here, Rich. His name is William. I had a feeling it might be. Well... <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying his name wrong for all these years until about two years ago when someone corrected me that it was Willem, and I was like, "What? Yeah, it's Willem." <laughs> and now I don't look stupid, so that's good. I know, like the uh, the gratification that you're feeling right now—that you are you're right technically. On a technicality this whole time. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but looking at the number of films, I thought I'd seen quite a lot of his film like mm. career. And then I've been listening to you guys do all your, your rundowns of what you've watched so far. And I was like, haven't seen that one. Haven't seen that one. Haven't seen that one. Haven't seen that one. And it turns out I've only watched about a quarter of his career so far. And I would say that probably in the last 20 years. I'm, I'm missing some of the the big hitters. So like Live and Die in LA sounds incredible. Oh. And I really want to see it, but I haven't watched it yet. And sadly, I've watched like Aquaman and ta- like crap like that. <laughs> Don't remind us that we've got to watch that film eventually. <laughs> uh, sometimes you just scroll through like the Wikipedia filmography and just think, fuck. Well, um, yeah, we kind of did the thing with sequels. Like, ah, oh, we can't wait to watch all these great sequels. And then we stupidly asked for people to watch their there were sequels and yeah. it turns out we have to watch a lot more bad sequels than good sequels so <laughs> yeah people's good people's best sequels all tend to be similar mm. like people pick very similar sequels for best sequels so we just watch the same things and then worst sequel has such a massive gamut i've watched movies i didn't even know existed <laughs> i've also watched movies i wish didn't exist <laughs> it's hard work yeah yeah we we we're both in our own ways doing the Lord's work. Mm. Um, so, you know, obviously this is an audio medium, but for the listeners, I am saluting right now. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's, you know, we committed to something and we've got to stick with it. Like, yeah. you know, when Dave came with me, came to me with the name of our podcast, I was like, it's such a good name. We should probably think of a podcast to do. and we did and we did sort of yeah um but yeah i think he's a great actor don't get me wrong i do like the man he's very talented and i I am trying to work through his like back category but it's a lot guys 
It's a lot. <laughs> we are very aware. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it's just his face sticks out, doesn't it? And everything he does. Oh, we'll get to his face. <laughs> <laughs> we've, got, we've, got a, we've got a face to talk about today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, the face we see every time we go to sleep, every time we wake up, when we look in the mirror. Um, <laughs> that, that that face is going to be with us for as long as he keeps making movies and he's putting out. I think, we, I, I think, we, I think we, we, we talked about this off record. We might have talked about it on record. Like he's... In the time we've been making this, he's already made or has enough new films in the pipeline for a brand new season. <laughs> like, this guy does not slow down. When he announced a new film, what is your feeling? Are you excited? Or are you thinking, oh, shit, that's another one? <laughs> yeah, both, I think. It depends yeah. what it is. Yeah. It's something where you go, ah, oh, that's got promise. Like, you see, like, a good name. Do you know what I mean? If it's like a new Yorgos Lanthimos film, we're both like, oh, yeah, like, it's going to be some fun. And then, like, if it's like, oh, He's got a. He's doing a bit part in I don't know Aquaman two, and he's in there for one scene. It's like, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> is he in there for one scene? Are you getting no? Too much? Like he is in, he's in. He's in Beetlejuice two coming up, isn't he? Yeah, which is great. Yeah. He's playing a dead. Yeah. He's playing a dead cop. And we can join up again for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was it? He's in. He's got a part in the the new Nosferatu as well. Of course, I think. And then a bunch of others, which like I think there was a period of time. This is this is apropos for us, kind of similar with like Nicolas Cage. That every few weeks, there's like periods of silence. And it's like Willem Dafoe just announced 15 new movies. Like Jesus Christ, man! <laughs> so yeah, we out here. We're fighting. We're fighting is, the good fight. Is there a franchise that you don't want him to be in? And if he announces that he's joining, like he's going to be in a new Terminator film or an Alien or Predator film, that you like your head will just drop. I don't know, because that'll make him star as like the alien. <laughs> yeah, no prosthetics. Like, like just him. That's as soon true. as you said that, Dave, I thought, oh, Willem Dafoe in the Fast and Furious franchise. Oh, could you imagine? <laughs> oh. Right, you sons of bitches, I'm in. Right. I, haven't, I haven't seen one of... The, I think the last one of those I watched was Tokyo Drift, and I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm not really into that that into cars and that's okay. one of the good ones yeah that, that's a good one yeah <laughs> god so, just send him to space like <laughs> properly like moon racing and then yeah <laughs> then i'm back sorry to break it to you daryl they have been to space last <laughs> yeah. nine baby you son of a bitch i'm in <laughs> just yeah, uh, send it out and i'm good i'm in i only want him in fast and furious if somehow he's related to dom toretto though like for no yeah. reason, he's like an uncle. Yeah, I'm, I mean, because <laughs> that family I'm... makes no sense as it is. <laughs> it's a ridiculous family. I've got to put this out there. De Fast and De Furious. Let's fucking go. Let's go. Oh God, it's it's actually hard work being this creative on the spot. You know? <laughs> um... <laughs> uh, I could see him. He's such a good actor. He could do. He could play a Toretto easily. No problem. No problem at all. Uh, I mean, I know the winding down on Fast and Furious. Isn't it the formula, though, that they introduce a villain and then the film after that, the villain becomes a good guy? Yeah. yeah. Isn't that the thing? And then they crash pretty out much. of a skyscraper off a bridge, something explodes. That's, that's um, pretty much it, yeah. You say they're winding down, but they keep announcing, like, they said, oh, yeah, the, this last one's going to be a two-parter. 
Oh, and then Vin Diesel's like, oh, maybe a three-parter now? And there's going to be another one? And there could be some spin-offs. It's never going to end. never going to let it die. He's going to be 86 years old and still <laughs> trying to drive a Ford Mustang. <laughs> old yeah, Mark Sinclair looking like a raisin behind the wheel of a Mustang. <laughs> yeah, give... Oh, just have Defoe star as like a fucking truck. I don't know. <laughs> just... just Optim- Optimus uh, not. <laughs> oh, in a Transformers film. Come on, guys. That as well would go. That will... That'll be yeah. great. Yeah, the like the just the Dasepticons. I don't fucking know anymore. <laughs> it's the end of season two, and I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. You're doing great. Keep it going. <laughs> Ten more years. <laughs> Ten more years. <laughs> oh, I think on, on a on on that note. Before before we get in and we uh, board the good old cruise ship. And get into the nitty gritty of speed too. It is that time of the episode once again where we pass over to dear old Petros for this week's defacts and defigures. Oh, have I got some defacts and figures for you? This film was directed by Jan de Bont. It was written by Randall McCormack and stars Sandra Bullock, Jason Patrick, Tamara Morrison, Glenn Plummer, and our very own leech loving daddy, Willem Dafoe. The film was released on June 13th in the US before getting a UK release on August 15th, 1997. The budget for this film was $160 million and had a box office return of $164,508,066, making it the 8th highest grossing film worldwide in 1997, just ahead of of as good as it gets and just behind Air Force One. IMDb rating for this film is 3.9 out of 10. It has a Rotten Tomato score of 4% based on 75 critic reviews with an audience score of 16% with over 100,000 audience ratings. The critic consensus reads, Speed 2 falls short of its predecessor thanks to laughable dialogue, thin characterization, unsurprising familiar plot devices and action sequences that fail to generate any excitement. Our first Defoe sighting is at 9 minutes and 30 seconds as he is sat beside Sandra Bullock's Annie on a boat about to board the ship. And his first line is, Hey, excuse me, I'm getting a little upset. My golf clubs, have you found them? And that are the defects and the figures. I wonder who the bad guy in this movie could be. <laughs> <laughs> it was the fucking bellboy. <laughs> So the uh, synopsis of Speed 2 Cruise Control. Annie, looking forward to a Caribbean cruise getaway with her cop boyfriend, Alex, find themselves fighting for survival when it becomes clear that a crazed passenger has taken control of the ship. So now, uh, Dave and Rich, given the very nature of your podcast, I would, thanks to touch, but hazard a guess, that this might be one that you've seen before. Just before you know, we break this down a little bit more. Um, do you sort of recall, uh, you know, what your impressions were the first time that you saw Speed Two, and did it blow you away? I mean, it didn't blow me away. I think, I think the first time I saw Speed Two was for the podcast. Wow! 
So I think I watched it. Was it, it was Ian Nathan, wasn't it? I think it'd be Ian Nathan, it. yeah. And I think that was the first time I'd seen it. And after I'd seen it, I swore never ever to watch it again <laughs> until now. <laughs> we darkened your doorstep with a request. Uh, one step from retirement. <laughs> Fold you back in. Just when they think I'm out, they pull me back in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's awful, isn't it? it it's genuinely awful. <laughs> It's uh, there, oh, there's so many laughable bits. I can't wait to talk to them, talk to you about them. But yeah, it's it doesn't. It's not one of those movies you watch and think this is so bad it's good. It's it is one that's so bad it's bad. Like it's there's there's not a not a huge amount of enjoyment to go back to. I don't think. But yeah, you you'd seen it before, there, hadn't you, Dave? I'm pretty sure I watched this. Like I said, VHS release, uh, either with my parents or maybe I have a feeling, I have this inkling that maybe I did a, a, a this is bad, uh, a double bill with Batman and Robin. Wow. <laughs> nice. At my friend Kit's house, we used to love watching, well, action movies and, well, crappy movies now looking back on it. But um, yeah, I, I, initial, it's not speed, is it? I remember watching Speed quite young and thinking that's a that's a good film, that's fun. My dad was like, You gotta watch Speed, Speed's great. Uh, and we all watched that as a family, like, oh that's a good action film, it's you know, harmless fun. It's not it's quite adult, but it's quite kid kid friendly, right? Would we agree? Speed is yeah, yeah. slightly and so is this one in, in, in places. And I remember quite I didn't mind too to, much. Out watching <laughs> Speed Two and Batman and Robin, I definitely enjoyed this one more. Uh, at that point and then years later yeah we had uh, Ian Nathan came on the podcast and I thought at some point when we said can someone pick their bad worst sequel it was going to come up and Ian did pick it and he had some great stories we'll probably cover you later and it was awful and now I think a couple of other people have picked it after that and I've carried on watching it every time (laughs) and I think I've gone through the looking glass now I think I've (laughs) I think I've come back to the other side I think you know what this ain't bad. <laughs> this ain't... I just, I just think the whole premise is ridiculous. Like, I know, I know, speeds on a bus, and buses aren't known for being particularly fast. But speed to be set on an ocean liner, something notoriously slow. I had to Google what a knot was today. So, if you want to know, eight knots is just over nine miles an hour. <laughs> I genuinely didn't know, so that's actually interesting to me. Uh, well, that's what happens. They try and big this up, like, oh, my God, it's 15 knots. I'm like, well, that's about 17 miles an hour. So can you jump off a boat when it's going 17 miles an hour? I think if your life depended on it, is yes. <laughs> right? Uh, no, other around, no other way around it. I could jump at this one bit. It gets down to five, and you're like, oh, this is – it's barely moving. <laughs> Are you telling me that the oil tanker would not have exploded on impact at the end? Probably well, not. <laughs> I'm not down with my science, but I don't understand how the bat, the boat uh, turns to the the right and then it goes back to the left to yeah. go back towards the island. It's, a, mm. it's the JFK yes. bullet. It's the single if, bullet theory of boats. <laughs> if they did what they said they were doing and put the starboard down and whatever, and it turns around, then in theatrically, it should come back towards itself, shouldn't it? Or just keep doing a circle? Well, in theory, <laughs> it should just keep going in a circle. Yeah. <laughs> it should do. It slides to the left. By, and the by right. that point, old Gaga has old thrown away his, um, his control pad <gasps> and let go of whatever destiny he wanted for this, the boats. Um, so 
I don't understand. But yeah, uh, I've we've watched so much shit on unequal sequels, so much rubbish sequels that <laughs> I I don't I wouldn't truly put this in the awful awful camp anymore. It's, you know, I watched it today and it was room. it's harmless. <laughs> this might be controversial, but it's better than Sex and the City too. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> well, putting that, that out there. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's not a high bar to to, to jump over. Though, <laughs> no. Not See, really. I, re- I remember watching this as like a kid and it is like a kind of perfect my first action movie because what mm. pg so i think my parents let me watch it i remember watching it a lot as a kid absolutely loving it but then again i was like seven probably when i saw this film so <laughs> and let, let, if i know anything about seven-year-olds they're fucking idiots all right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I, f- I feel compelled to add that the first time I saw this was yesterday at the age of 32. Brilliant. Um, so just just for comparative purposes, when I was like, this is readily available on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, I'd, I think for anyone who's been listening, you, you may have picked up that. Petros has been sort of teasing this throughout the season, like, oh, I've got to get ready for your first watch, Darren. I was like, right, it can't be that bad. All right, and I want to say I don't think it's worthy of four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I think that's unfair. Maybe five. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll sort of you know, get into all our, our thoughts and feelings with it. But skipping ahead a little bit towards the, um, I suppose, final third of the movie, where Geiger's got his little fucking Nintendo Power Glove and he's like beep booping away and like shooting <laughs> stuff down. He's got his little like tablet. And it says on there, uh, it flashes up with this warning, which I think is honestly a great metaphor for the film, speed malfunction. Um, <laughs> Better I think, name. <laughs> I mean, I think the cardinal sin of this is that it had to follow speed one. If it had been titled anything else, fast, pretty quick, uh, moderate ship velocity, um, I think... Just call it, it cruise control. There you go, yeah. done. <laughs> Do you know what the episode's over? There's nothing more to discuss. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> what what I loved about like researching this film is Jan de Bont had a dream yeah. of the cruise yeah. liner crashing into like a dock and into a hotel, and then basically was like, "We're going to reverse engineer the film, so that is the final point." And then we're gonna, then we're gonna, then we're gonna write the movie backwards to make that happen. And it's like Jesus Christ! Like, and then we're gonna realize that that's incredibly dull, and so we're gonna <laughs> speed it up. I mean, literally, the film is on like double speed, so the people are like running around like Benny Hill. it's ridiculous we're gonna speed it up and have a scottish man looking like he's (laughs) about to come going like oh yeah it's It's like jesus (laughs) did you did you recognize the scottish man I did. He's in, um, spoilers if you haven't seen it, he's in the first season of Line of Duty. Oh, he's a big player in Line of Duty, yeah. He's a big, yeah. he's a significant character. I sort of, I felt quite sorry because I was like, I recognise this guy. I know him from somewhere. Uh, Brian McCarty, mm. who plays, is it Merked? Merked? 
a name that definitely isn't yeah. a name. I thought I think someone's mispronounced Mercer here, but it's <laughs> I put the subtitles on just in case I missed anything. Oh, wow. It is M E R C E D. It's Mercer's Mercer. I have no idea. That classic Scottish name. <laughs> classic Scottish name, Mercer. I sort of caught on you know, the Wikipedia page. Take this with a grain of salt. It was under the, the part where it talks about the casting. It said, Brian McCarty accepted the role despite not liking the script after his agents assured him it would be good for his career. <laughs> um, I think he got new agents shortly after that. But I think it I think it worked out for him fairly well in the end. I think so. Jason, Jason Patrick had the same thing. He said, I'll only sign on if you change the scripts. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, 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 sure. No problem. No, we can do that. No, no, no problem. And then he signed on and then he read the script and they hadn't changed it. And it was too late <laughs> by that point. Gotcha. I like his noble reason for joining the film, though. Apparently it was because like he's in like a lot of indie films and like low budget stuff and just kind of wanted a, a like global profile. So those films could do a bit better. Yeah. These. Okay. It's like, oh, Good on you, Jason Patrick. He's like, you could have at least put a shift in on the set of Speed 2. Unfair. <laughs> With the script, I meant, you know, um, I've I've read this script, lads, and uh, it, it makes me look like a paedophile. <laughs> can, we, um, can we change that? And they're like, yeah, 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 it's fine, it's fine. It comes down to it, and he's like, you didn't change it, did you? <laughs> yeah when i'm having a romantic meal with someone i want to propose to what i'm going to do is i'm going to become transfixed with a girl doing sign language and then kind of essentially butt into a conversation by waggling my hands at her which is like weird like weird like that whole sequence is very bizarre let's not even get on to the fact that you got ub40 there oh, <laughs> How did that happen? Apparently, Yang Demont is a big fan. <laughs> of course he is. Of course he is. <laughs> Literally the worst band in history. <laughs> I, I think he like You Can't Help Falling In Love, that song, the Elvis cover that they, they did for the film Silver. The one that they wrecked. The yeah. Elvis cover well, that they oh, just come, yeah. We can do a couple of more songs and that. I wonder if they survived. That, yeah, that is... <laughs> Like, I hope not. <laughs> of course they did, because the bad guy in this film lets everyone off. At some point, <laughs> you know they t you know they took the first lifeboat off. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah that's When I, I think of UB40, I think of cowards. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly speaking, they're going full Billy Zane in Titanic, grabbing it. I've got a child. I've got a child. <laughs> or you got a white man doing a rasner accent. Oh, a child man. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't think you should be doing that. Stop it. You're from Birmingham. I <laughs> know. Oh, you're from my neck of the woods. It's a disgrace. <laughs> isn't, isn't, isn't our accent bad enough, UB40, without you appropriating you know, a different culture entirely? I remember like messaging, like Petros messaged me. He's like, how the fuck did they get UB40 in this? And I was like, why put in my notes as a joke? <laughs> Lol, UB40. It was actually UB40. <laughs> <laughs> See, the fact that UB40, and I, I, this is this, I'm about to derail this podcast to become like a conspiracy theory about the logic of this film, even though there is plenty of plot holes. But surely there would be more of a furore about everything that is going on if UB40 were in this situation. Like in universe, are UB40 UB40 or are oh. they just a house band on a ship? This is what I don't <laughs> understand. Like 
is there not like a thing of UB40's manager hasn't heard from them in a few days? We're going to see what's going on here. Like, or well, like those, those people who got off the ship, do they go to safety? Do they tell anyone what is going on on the ship? Like, can nobody on the seafront by the docks see the ship hurtling towards them until it's on top of hurtling them? Hurtling towards them at nine miles an hour. Is there not like a is there not like a lighthouse or like a kind of lookout point where they're going? That ship's coming towards the land. That mm. ship shouldn't be coming towards the land. Let's evacuate this area. No, like did the did the oil tanker yeah. not like get on the phone to anyone and be like, well, this boat's about to crash into us. Maybe so we should move. Coast guard. Yeah, yeah, we should move. In, and like coast guard, get other people involved. <laughs> yeah, just... in twenty five minutes, this boat's going to hit us. Yeah. What are we going to do about it? <laughs> Rich, you're being kind with twenty five minutes. It's about thirty eight minutes. It's got more endings than Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> now the oil tanker's like great gesture was just the captain saying, "Oh, get down." I was like, yeah, that, "I guess you're going to get slightly nudged." Uh, until it just <laughs> randomly explodes because Willem Dafoe laughed. Um, <laughs> so, makes as much sense as anything else. I mean, again, I know we're sort of jumping about a bit, but the point you sort of raised just there, Petros, with, let's be honest, I'm be- I was begging for a single character who wasn't absolutely stupid in this movie. You know, as, as the cruise ship just kind of just crunches up that decking at the end, and no one sees it. This is that woman at the end who is on that payphone as a cruise ship just cr- crushes behind her, about five feet going, what? What? I can't hear you. And I wish there were more civilian casualties. Someone had to learn <laughs> a lesson from this. And the fact that that guy who was like, oh, God, I hope my car doesn't get crushed. His car doesn't get crushed. You took that from me? <laughs> no, it does get it crushed. It does get crushed at the end. Oh, it does I think I think what happened was I just like glazed over from like uh, the many endings. That was a, the the thing is it would have been good if that guy was set up to be a douchebag because then it would have been like a real like cold yeah. meaning. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's not even a bad he's guy. That. Yeah, he's just like he's, we're, we're supposed to be like he's a fat balding guy. He's obviously <laughs> a creep. He deserves this. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like the. the that the wakeboarding guy is like, are you telling me you didn't see the cruise liner as you fucking kick flipped it onto the side of it? And the guy on the boat, like propelling him along is like, and goes, gets one of the few action stunts and just goes crashing into a beach house. Somebody's got like some kind of like luxury cruiser kind of thing. And like they shout out as, as, as the cruise liner is like hurtling into them. They're going, Hey, we got the right away. (laughs) (laughs) The wakeboarding guy might be my favorite bit because it genuinely looks like he does hit it. (laughs) Oh, that looked like it hurt. My favorite civilians were the ones that dove back into the water. I was like, yeah, well, I don't know. You might as well just stood there and took it. That woman on the phone feels like it's a make a wish kind of event because she's so bad at uh, acting. It's, It's bad. Well, this stands out in this film, and that's saying something because <laughs> there's some horrific performances. I, I mean, this in general, though, this is a film that has had to make a lot of choices. The first of which, you know, casting ourselves back to the start of the movie, where we've got a very 
I don't know, kind of unexciting bike chase going after an ice cream van, a very uneventful little motorbike leap as we're introduced to our, you know, our heartthrob Alex and we're reintroduced to Annie, Sandra Bullock from the first movie. It, it sort of sets up the, their dynamic and it kind of, kind of the issue I had is the way it sets them up kind of implies that they haven't known each other that long because the whole thing is like, oh, I don't even know you. I don't even know your badge number. I, I thought you were a beach cop. I didn't know you with the SWAT. By the way, at this point, they just look at, they just look and wink at the camera. Like, Keanu Reeves didn't want to do it, all right? Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> Two hours left. Two hours left. Um, you so know they, you know what I had with what, what I had with Jack? He was a real hothead. Like, it's kind of like just a couple of throwaway lines to be like, also, she she can't shut up about Jack, so she's clearly not over him. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's kind of like a pertinent question because you know it sets up the crux of this relationship. As far as we're aware, they make it out as like they've been dating like a couple of weeks, but to the point where Alex is like, "I need to propose to you, woman I've known about two weeks. I've got you a cruise." Um, <laughs> it's like. This is where murders happen. Um, <laughs> but their relationship seems very much on the skids as well. Yeah, like, it very, yeah, it really does. Like is throughout that? the whole film as well, they're like constantly <laughs> just arguing, and not like not like in that fun, cute like rom com bickering way. It's just kind of like they look angry at each other. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like when she wakes up on the cruise liner and he's out skeet shoots, like you can't go a day without shooting a gun, and it's like. <laughs> It's the start. She's yeah. like, oh, I think we should break up. And he's like, but I got us a holiday. And she's yeah. like, oh, well, she got us a holiday. The old classic something to look forward to. This relationship can't end now. It's true, though. I would, I would have gone on a holiday. <laughs> I, I mean, if it's paid for. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I assume the wage of a SWAT operative in 97 was probably okay uh yeah. because you know if he's just allowed to get away with and let's be honest he basically kicks the motorbike at that ice cream truck <laughs> and willingly rolls down the hill with the person driving it and i was like that's a pretty sick roll to be fair credit where credit's due you didn't see keanu reeves doing that not that i didn't miss him profusely throughout oh, the movie. every moment like every passing second that like we weren't. I wasn't paying attention to Defoe. I was like, God, I wish I was watching the first Speed. I wish I was watching Speed One. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um... And Keanu Reeves is not brilliant. He's quite wooden in that first film, but it all works and gels really well together. Like chemistry with Sandra Bullock Dude, is is fire. Every film. I was trying to be polite, Rich, but <laughs> I was trying to be like, look how shit this is compared to that. And I'm talking on the good side that I'm the only one who's so far enjoyed this film. Um, <laughs> And also, you know, you said mentioned the beginning about how it just the bike appears. I, I'm yeah. positive that there's a more exciting part of that story how he gets on the bike and how the chase starts than yeah. a bike just following uh, what an ice cream truck and then he has to dodge a few boxes. Well, uh, it's weird. Look, it's, yeah. it's more exciting the behind the scenes stuff because that's Jason Patrick actually riding that bike. And like, oh wow, he had like a crash that was near fatal. And it's like, well, that's more exciting than anything we see in this film. <laughs> and there's like another one of those, like Jan de Pont, like for all the flaws of this film is like, was vehemently against CGI. Like, despite there are some shots where I'm like, that's definitely CGI. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but like, 
as much as the action, he was like, I want, I, I don't want, I don't even want stunt people. The actual people to do it. So yeah, he nearly had Jason Patrick killed in that, in that. And Sandra Bullock was nearly decapitated by a rudder of a ship. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Can you imagine how infamous this film would be if it murdered Sandra Bullock? <laughs> That's probably why she refers to this film as being like the biggest piece of crap ever. Yeah. She's like, I nearly fucking died. And it wouldn't have been worth For this. <laughs> she, she apparently she only made it because like Chase and Patrick, she also wanted the money to go make another film. Her passion project. Was it was that Hope Floats? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she like basically strong armed like 20th century fox. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll she do this. She produced that. that as well, didn't she? That was yeah. like her her baby. So yeah, that makes sense. I think like Jan de Bont again. Like when you go back to like all the reasons people did it, Jan de Bont were like they took such a risk on me for doing the first one because he was like a cinematographer. It was his first directing gig, and it's like I felt like I owed it to them to do a sequel. And it's like none of this like rings true to like. Do you know what I mean like? It's like the whole thing, like, you know, like the recent news we've had with like Taika Waititi, where he's like, yeah, I don't really like comic book movies. Like, I really hate comic. I did it for the money. And it's like, well, they're not the people we want making those films then, are they? Like, we don't want Yonder Bont doing a film because he's like, oh, I felt like obligated. Or like Jason Patrick, like, yeah, it might raise my profile. So these these arty farty films I'm doing might have a bit more cachet in Europe mm. or like yeah i only made this film so another film could get made it's like you want people to do stuff because they want to do it right and that's when it's like passion and excitement and like you want to watch it yeah i mean i don't disrespect them for doing it i mean well they're probably getting like a couple mil for this sort of anticipation i mean the budget's not small is it it was no, a small I mean, budget movie. That's because they hired a fucking boat, Rich. A hundred and sixty million. And built a small village to destroy it. Whatever it was. <laughs> they, <laughs> they built a small village twice as Whoa. well. So, <laughs> All right. They built the village. They had a hurricane. It got knocked down. And then they had to build it with stormproof materials. <laughs> Well, there you go. Wow. That's the budget, isn't it? Stormproof, <laughs> but not boatproof. It, you can see where the budget goes, because Sandra Bullock gets paid... 10 plus. I think Jason Patrick got paid probably that amount as well. Then I can't imagine William Defoe is as cheap at this point. It all goes somewhere, you know, and then that a fucking cruise line. I'm going to rent a cruise liner for six weeks. And I don't think they ran over so they couldn't shoot the, on the cruise line anymore. So they had to find ways around shooting on a boat. It's, it's, <laughs> it's absolutely mental. Yeah. So I think, I think that, that like end stunt that Yonder Bont had dreamed of, like, <laughs> Cost in the budget, so because they had to rebuild it twice, cost them twenty five million, which is ten million shy of the budget of the first film. Fuck. Which made which made three hundred and fifty million dollars the first film, and this film made one hundred and sixty four million. It cost one hundred and sixty. Cost one hundred and sixty. <laughs> so it's like. <laughs> it's that it's that leech budget. They ain't cheap. <laughs> <laughs> real real leeches yes or no yeah they look I like real leeches he went, he went method right old if they're making people do real stunts they've got to be real leeches surely well, I yeah mean, uh, uh, is, is it around this point or just, i might be getting the years mixed up he's already had like hot candle wax stripped on it on him in body of evidence so might as well put a leech on there as well yeah yeah that's true <laughs> his body's impervious to pain do you know what I mean it's like, okay. <laughs> 
I don't know. He's 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 all in. I mean, I saw that Keanu Reeves was supposedly offered about twelve million for it, but basically he's like, <laughs> I read the script um, and didn't take it. <laughs> Did Devil's Advocate? And Great film. He, he said that um, Reeves later said that Fox was in quote uh, furious with his decision and released propaganda about him that he instead decided to tour with his band. And um, I, I, I think that might have been the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's even more of a fuck you to this film from Keanu Reeves as well is he took like less of a paycheck on Devil's Advocate so they could hire Al Pacino. So it's like, not only do I not want to take your $12.5 million, I'm going to take a lesser paycheck on Devil's Advocate so Al Pacino can be in it. It's like... Well, he must have read the script and went, Al Pacino or UB40. Hoo-ha! Or, you know, I can't even think of their songs. <laughs> red, red wine, yeah. Red, red wine, yeah. Yeah. Oh, hoo-ha any day of the week. <laughs> oh, it's, you know, it, it's nice to know there's, like, integrity somewhere around about there. I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of people didn't like this. I read that Roger Ebert, the renowned film critic, was one of the very few to uh, defend he Speed 2. He was a bit like that, though, wasn't he? He liked to be awkward. <laughs> and, you know, if everyone else hated something, Roger Ebert liked it. You know, it was always, it always happened every now and then. <laughs> uh, he said he had to defend this one more than any other movie in his entire career. <laughs> What a legacy. <laughs> Was it really worth it? Really? Roger Ebert getting hounded on the streets of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Boo! He did not back down. He doubled down, and I fucking <laughs> respect the shit out of it. We, when we had Ian Nathan on ours, he explained his story about how, you know, yeah, they get cover stars and the pictures who they're going to be on the front of the month's months in advance and for ages they knew speed two was going to be on it they were going to have sandra bullock they were fine with sandra bullock they're like can't wait to have sandra bullock on the front of empire that's great and at the last minute the studio was like can you put jason patrick on with sandra bullock and that apparently he couldn't say no at that point empire were like yeah yeah sure sure and then apparently they were like we asked the questions like do you put do you know if it's going to be a bad movie do you still put the film on the front of your cover and he's like well the ball's already rolling at that point so yes you have to you have to commit to that uh, and i was like well how early on did you find out that uh speed two was going to be a stinker and he was like quite early on, quite early <laughs> on. <laughs> everything everything that came out the studio or from like they got someone to see it quite early on as well and they're like how was it and they're like it's not good um, still gave it three stars. Still <laughs> well, I think this is the days of well where Ain't It Cool News were doing like, were posting reviews of like test screenings of films as well. Oh. So studio were like absolutely bricking themselves. Because like ni- the summer of 1997, like was like, I don't know, I guess really hit or really miss. So you had like the double bill of Con Air and Face Off from the Great. Great. So, like yes please like why wasn't i there oh yeah six um (laughs) you've got men in black but then you've also got i think like two weeks on the bounce speed two and batman and robin so it's like (laughs) a real like dicey affair (laughs) did you say this was like the seventh or eighth best selling movie of the year oh yes it was my friend yes (laughs) 
number one number one film of 1997 titanic ladies and gentlemen of course yeah the yeah. other film about a boat um, <laughs> I, I like that 1997 is bookended by a good and a bad film about a boat <laughs> what an interesting year and in the middle of it nicholas cage was on a plane 1997 was my best year ever I was, 16, I was 16 in 1997. Music was awesome. There were so Movies were so good. I bunked off of school to go to the cinema every week without fail. I watched so many movies, but I didn't see Speed 2. <laughs> Sounded like you had the dreamer's disease, Rich. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> so it was a new radicals joke. Oh, um, that was sorry. probably around the time, wasn't it? The, uh, was about the, the dreamers, time, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was uh, yeah. So the time. <laughs> 1997, also a big year for boats. Are you ready for this? I've uh, got an impromptu feature for the podcast. Love it. Boats in films in 1997. A nice piffy title for it. So as we, as I said, we've got Titanic, the high benchmark of the year. We have Speed Two to get that out of the way. Obviously, we that's what we're here to talk about. Tomorrow Never Dies. The HMS Devonshire is sunk by the villain's funky drill. Uh, we have The Lost World, Jurassic Part 2, where the T-Rex miraculously kills a boatload of people, and we don't know how, on so the way to San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> Face-off kind of ends with a big speedboat chase. It does. And then before uh, John Travolta or Nicolas Cage is uh, harpooned to death. Uh, George of the Jungle. He saves a man tangled in a bridge and then flies on his parachute and then crashes into a boat. Uh, we have Anaconda, which uh, takes place mainly on a boat. And of course, we have Goodwill Hunting, set in Boston, a big harbour town. What do you have in harbours? Lots of boats. <laughs> big year for boats, ladies and gentlemen, 1997. <laughs> Did this make more money than the world, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, a Bond film? Did this make more money than Tomorrow Never well, Dies? Foresight, higher or lower now? Higher or lower? It <laughs> bloody well did. <laughs> Let's go. I will tell you a film that it did not do better than, and that is the number two film of 1997, and that is a film starring a little-known British actor called Rowan Atkinson, and that is Bean the Bloody Movie. Uh, not only did it beat it at the box office with a oh, stonking $250 million box office return, did old Bean. It is also done better on IMDb with a 6.5 out of 10. It has a 43 on Rotten Tomatoes and a 53% audience score. So... Bean or speed? I know what I'll be doing. I'll be repainting Whistler's mother any day of the week. <laughs> and Bean probably cost about forty-five p and half a Twix to make, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What, I don't know what Peter Nichols' uh, salary was for that. I mean, just a stark reminder that we will be covering Mr. Bean's holiday on the podcast <laughs> at some point as well. Synergy. <laughs> All roads lead back to Bean, baby. Yeah. All roads lead to Bean, baby. Mr. or Sean, you can be the judge. Pick your Bean. Pick your Bean warrior. I, I do have a question about the plot, if you guys can help me. Yep. We'll try. His illness, or William Defoe's illness with the leeches, hmm. what was it? Didn't he say he had, he'd worked so exclusively with computers that he got copper poisoning in his blood? Something like that. That's why he has the leeches... 
to get the copper out of his blood. I missed that, but that's wild. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a very nineties like excuse from your parents about it was the computers. computers <laughs> like, oh, you'll get Germany. You'll get square eyes if you watch too much telly. <laughs> Yeah, I I always took that as a challenge that you get square eyes, and I pushed my face into the screen. I was like, square eyes would be fucking rad. Um, I I realise now that I did that because autism, but we're all learning. It, it sounds very nineties though. Like I I haven't done the research if there are any medical professionals or blood specialists, um, and computer related copper poisoning is a thing. I see the irony of this being stuck in front of a laptop to record a podcast every other day. Do I need leeches? <laughs> is my is the question I would quite like to ask here. Yeah, because they really rely on the they they go heavy on the he's got leeches and once in a while they he just mumbles what's wrong with him and it's like a it's an afterthought or no one's really listening to what he's saying at that point. And then it just zooms back to the leeches and think, oh he's he's a he's a crazy man. He's got leeches. And I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. And his, he also, because it's barely in the film, he's after the diamonds, right? He, he nabs them. He definitely nabs them. Are we not saying that's the main plot point? Are we or? It's like it's like the Die Hard. He, he, he's making this illusion going on somewhere else to make it look like he's not by getting the diamonds. But in the end of the day, what he truly wants is the diamonds, or is what? his or is his major plan? To fuck up the boat. I think you've done something that, that quite often happens on our podcast, Dave, and you've made the film a whole lot better than it actually is, <laughs> just by your interpretation of it. It's basically diehard. <laughs> no, well, well, it basically is, right? This all stems, like, this very much fits in the, like, diehard honour genre, doesn't mm, it? Absolutely. Like, and I know that, like, originally, I think this, like, of what this script is based on partly is... Like they were going to do Die Hard Free on a boat. It was going to be like, which like when you when you transpose this to an idea of like John McClane on this boat, and oh, like, it's like so much better already. So much better. Like, do you know what I mean? Like him just trying to have a good time and shit goes down. Yes, please. But then you get fucking I don't know, like n no chemistry between Sandra Bullock and the absolute like chemistry vacuum that is Jason Patrick in this film. It's like. Well, Hey, hey, he's got chemistry with a 12-year-old girl. Come on. <laughs> the bit when the, the deaf girl's father is about to call her a name, I was worried where that was going. You look like a clown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. like, oh, God. Yeah. Did he just not know, like, the sign for whatever the word I think was in his head was. Then he just like honked his nose and went, huh, clown. clown. <laughs> I think he doesn't, because when they're having dinner, it looks like they're learning to sign language with the girl. So it looks like to me that they've only just learned how to communicate with their daughter, which is a surprise for everyone, it seems. Like. <laughs> well, that scene is very telling, right? Because that kind of sets up everything because it kind of does that thing which like, in a film is like could be like a clever device like in a dinner hall just intro introducing kind of all the key players but what this film does is just like just throws people up on screen it's be like pay attention they're going to be people who are going to be put in peril later like you got that woman who's like the only good a nicotine patch would do right now if i could roll it up and smoke it or like you got that guy who's like uh that, that couple we were talking about they're like at fat busters we're not we're against fat 
Like, like we're, we're we're fat. You gotta eat fat. And then later, later on, the husband calls her fat, and she's offended by that. And then he calls someone else fat, doesn't he? Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which he is goes, ironic because he's pretty fat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <from> glass houses. <laughs> well, they this is this is kind of a thing. Like they introduce a lot of extraneous characters who are kind of there. I mean, I think. A prime example of this is Dante, the photographer, um, oh, who takes his photos. He, and I the, noticed... sh- the shutter shut. Got a lens cap on. The shutter shut. A very fair and valid point. And even when they're drowning, he's taking selfies of himself, which back in the 90s would, would take about two weeks to the boots to get developed. And I thought, oh, is this going to like be relevant later on is like oh by the way i took a photo of a thing and willem dafoe was in the background now nah, he just fucking loves disaster that's for his personal collection later on they they tried to have a heroic bit where uh that lifeboat was going down when all the passengers are getting off and they're like oh dante sort of the winch is snapping tie this rope around he fucks it up and nearly falls off useless so then alex has to jump in and save him Ugh. And then it helps them open some doors when some passengers get trapped in little fire, little escape areas. And then there's a bunch of other people that are just like there. But I think they just they just keep trying to pad it out with too many people. I think the only exception is um is it is it Maurice at the end of the film who was also in the first one? Yes, what the fuck? Yeah, a little, <laughs> little bit of continuity there. Because it's like, oh I've you've already traumatized me enough dealing with the like, LAPD. I think he had his jag- Jaguar car hijacked in the first one, gets his boat hijacked in this one, but he picks up some he picks up the jewellery at the end. So he gets so oh, he's the only he gets winner. Compensated. <laughs> <laughs> he gets his compensation, so that's what? nice. There is a question I have about Dante, and it's not camera related. It is when he goes down it's like when they go down into the kind of like launch bay for the for like the sea doos and stuff like that. Why? How is he there? Like, like Geiger's locked it all off, but Dante just appears out of nowhere when Alex jumps down there, and it's like the only thing I can think uh, the reason he is there is because the script needs him to be there for them doing the like manual turning the boat thing, like to do yeah. fifteen seconds each. Because otherwise, I'm like, why is he just knocking about? Also, there? How, how can they hear? the instructions of where to go underwater because well one they're underwater but two he was talking to the guy on a phone and then puts the phone down and then the guy keeps telling him instructions of what no, to no, do. no there's a speaker going on and he's like alex if you can hear me pick up the phone pick up the phone so then alex picks up the phone to talk to him and that, that's the only way that alex can talk to the captain but, yeah, i just don't think the intercom to- system works <laughs> down in like the engine room I think like that they're speaking over the like do you know what I mean? Bing bong on the on on the sunshine deck we're gonna be playing Parcheesi this afternoon. Like that that's what he's talking over. It's like I feel like that's what those phones are for in the mm. in the kind of engine room. I, yeah, I I'm I'm with Rich here. I but don't they're like shouting back to coming. him as well. Like they're shouting <laughs> back to the captain. And I'm like, you can't, that's not how this works. <laughs> Yeah, oh. and I mean, you know, obviously it's spoken like people have never been to the captain's deck before. <laughs> <laughs> idiots, idiots, don't know your ship buttons. And it shows, embarrassing, embarrassing, 
embarrassing for you or i mean i suppose the buttons work when they need to it's a it's, movie it's it's movie logic it does not a good one <laughs> <laughs> i guess even more than that like it's it's action movie logic buttons work when they need to drunk guy you can just stumble in and be like oh what's going on and just go clunk very loudly put a transmitter on the bottom of a desk that no one picks up on um, and no one finds as well. Like, like Alex does like a half-hour search. Like, there must be a transmitter in it. Literally, like, does his like sweeps his hand under a desk once and goes, "Let's move on." And it's like, what? Like, that's because he's had the golf ball revelation in the middle of all that. That's that. That's what stops him from searching the rest of it. Listen to me defend this movie for some bizarre <laughs> reason. <laughs> and Alex has got like some kind of like six cents for crime as well mm. like, all the way through he just picks up on the smallest things he's like um like when annie go this like chatting to uh giga at the uh at the bar and he's like oh your golf loving your new boyfriend that's again like that is very like v- venomous stuff to be saying to someone especially on a romantic break with do you know what i mean like anyone she talks to do you know what i mean I thought you talking to the bellboy. You're gonna fuck him. Like that's kind of energy. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and he picks up on the fact he's like, uh, he's really into golf. Why is he not watching the tournament that's like right behind him? And like everything. And like when they're leaving the boat in panic, he's like, I can smell sulfur. Just everything is just kind of like, yeah. oh, we need to get to the next point in this. Alex can just like use this sixth sense to tap into it. Is this one of those movies where if no one does anything, the same thing still happens? I've. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, essentially, the boat still crashes, right? Willem Dafoe gets away. I mean, admittedly, he gets his head chopped off. Does he get his, it, head, cho- is his head chopped off? He explodes. Off? No, you're thinking of Dennis Hopper in the first oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, gets, he explodes, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. But yeah, I mean, maybe he would have exploded anyway. I mean, it's a bit erratic. Talking about when he meets Sandra Bullock at the bar, they've got more chemistry than Sandra Bullock and Alex do. Like, those those two will fuck. And also, uh, I I have golf clubs, but you know what? I wouldn't watch golf on TV all the time. It's not something I, if it's on a TV in the bar, I would turn my head and look at. I would probably look at what's going on around on my new boat that I'm on holiday with. So really he's, he's, he's talking shit. Yeah. That's like, I like a game of pool. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not there going, Oh, fucking hell. Like, do you know what I mean? Like go into some TV station you never heard of. Be like, I need to watch the pool championships. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm good yeah. at bowling, but I don't watch that shit on TV. <laughs> watch Kingpin at a push. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, as far as I'm concerned, and the more I think about it, I think, that Geiger might actually be the most sane man on that ship. Okay. <laughs> and I, I think I might be on team Geiger did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I kind of get like get where he's coming from as well. Cause like yeah. we're in a time we're in a time where there's a lot of like kind of like do you know what I mean? Like workers' rights and there's a lot of like like mm. strikes and stuff like that. And he got fucked over. He got like big business. Do you know what I mean? He's like working with computers. He did all he very complex job he like 
sorted out the kind of like systems for these ships and stuff. He's like clearly that. good at it. And then it's got a lot to yeah. say about it's got a lot to say about like the kind of American like like healthcare system as well. That as soon as he's ill, the company are like, oh, well, we don't want to pay for that with the like the company's dime, like out on your ass, mate. Like he's quite, yeah, he's a, he's a downtrodden man. Like he's kind of you could uh, kind of understand him to like like he's almost like Ed Harris in uh, The Rock. The Rock, yeah, we're so, well, yeah, he's kind of got a point. <laughs> Every yeah. bad, every good baddie, really. You're like, it's kind of like Thanos has got a point, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he gets very lucky, doesn't he? Because when he kills the captain, the captain has to be standing in a certain place to be knocked off the boat because he's using a swingy light thing to knock him off. But if the captain just stood back two steps, he wouldn't be able to knock him off the swingy the light. The plan would have been over. The yeah. plan would have been ruined. He had to be in a one-foot radius of where that light could swing perfectly. Uh, but I think what you're saying, Petros, is kind of like you only sort of hear like Geiger's perspective of it, really. is like, I built the, um, was it like the autopilot sort of navigation system for the ship? I designed all the computer systems. I contracted um bleep blob copper poisoning from windows 95 whatever they were using at the time the most dangerous probably of the linux. windows probably linux or the most dangerous of the windows 95 bloody bill gates and his 5g <laughs> millennium bug was just a twinkle in the robo milkman's eye <laughs> uh, but like unless i'm wrong because he sort of bit by bit narrates his story and it was like well, like, yeah, like I got fucked over. I'm not getting the recognition for this. No one is helping me. Like, I've got I'm fucking dying over here. I've got to leech myself clean again. Unless I'm wrong, I don't know that anyone else really contested it, or certainly contested it in a way. We like, oh, well, he's the bad guy, so he would sort of think that way. And my notes were just like, this is why you join a union, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean. It's kind of like scattershot throughout the movie, but they try to sort of give him some kind of narrative, which is mostly just his hidden behind the whole night is villain trope of, well, he's crazy. It doesn't have to make sense. Mm. So, and who better to do crazy? But he is phone? like, he is like the saving grace of this film. Like he is absolutely, he's amazing. He's doing he's doing solid work. Do you know what I mean? And this feels like a kind of like stepping stone to like his Norman Osborne. Absolutely, he's yeah. genuinely the only person who knows what movie he's in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he gurns his way through this movie. Like you know, he he fully yeah. gets what he's doing. He's what? read that script and thought, "I've got this." Is yeah, it, I can, I can do. I this. can do this. This is in me. <laughs> and a lot of the time, he's kind of working in isolation, isn't he? He's kind yeah. of, like, it's kind of like a ferret running down the halls and like, you know what I mean, like going into rooms. Or there's a moment I particularly love after he kills the captain, where he's like schmoozing with a couple of older women. They're like, oh, oh, I love it. Can we take a photo? And he's like, kind of getting in, and he's like. Oh, that tropical storm! He's like, it's gonna be great weather tonight, girls. Like, he's like, I'm so charming. Yeah. Like, oh, come on, I'd be in his, I'd be rocking in his cabin any day of the week. <laughs> you might be able to uh, address this. Is this his first attempt at like a silly big blockbuster? Like before this, he was mainly independent and smaller films, right? I mean, an Oscar-worthy movies, isn't he? Like before. Then this. after this came the Spider-Mans, the, the, the Pixar's, the DC stuff, the John Wicks. Um, 
I mean, before this, he's had Platoon, Last Temptation of Christ. Um, I would call, they're not big, big films, though. I mean, they're great directors and well, stuff. Oliver Stone and Martin yeah, Scorsese, don't get me wrong, but they're not like blockbusters. They're not like Men in Black or... The closest know, he's come Custer. to this is Clear and Present Danger, yes. which is yeah. part of a, part of a yeah, franchise. Fair shout. A couple of years before this, and he's kind of like, if you remember that film, Daryl, and you guys, he's got that kind of like, uh, like sun bleached hair, and in this, it's kind of that hair but grown out because he's kind of got like that kind of like he's like rubbed lemon juice in the ends of his hair, and it's kind of like blonde and like all grown out, and like kind of like the way he looks, he's kind of I don't know, like there's something suave about him, but there's also something like on a dime can look quite sinister. Like, especially like watching it this time, looking out for him. And like, I guess as a kid, I probably wouldn't have noticed him in those early mm. scenes. He's on the boat and stuff like that. Like, yeah, like the boat leading up to the ship and stuff. And it's like, I oh, just kind of look at him and be like, oh, what a, what a, what a fucking scamp this guy. Is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what a dubious creature. I mean, I don't know how often we get to see him with like a bit longer sort of beach bomb hair almost. It's kind of like this is the evil version of his character in Clear Present Danger. If he hadn't have joined the military and gone down a dark path, he would have ended up... Uh, all roads lead to the cruise ship is kind of what I'm saying <laughs> in a very uh, very sort of overarching sense. There's definitely... You'll wait for it, but there's definitely a link between... This, I would say, Norman Osborn Spider-Man that we've watched, and then when you get to Triple X Two, whatever it is called, State of Union, and he's also the. the <laughs> good luck! I'm never coming back for that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's also, I would say, this is the DNA of bad guy that he goes with. Mm. I think he loves it. I, th- I, th- I th- like that, that. That's the joy of Willem Dafoe. So occasionally, he can just be like, you know what? I could do a little silly blockbuster that's probably going to like keep the tax man off my back for a few years. Yeah. Then I can go make all these like films with Abel Ferrara and Paul Schrader and stuff like that. And I haven't got, I haven't got to worry about it. That that would pay for another APACA like in his farm and stuff. And um, and (laughs) even, even these bad films, he's the best thing about them. Like, yeah, hundred percent. I've got a few questions. So, like most of my notes for this film are questions. So let's <laughs> okay, let's go for them because they're probably. Let's maybe work for a few of these before we start to wrap up. First one is, uh, why is there a chainsaw on the ship? Why not? Why is it so easily accessible as well? <laughs> yeah, chainsaws <laughs> on a ship. Like it's no, there's no, isn't no greenery. Like there's no, there's no trees. It looked like, like it was in the cleaners cupboard, like yeah. next to the mop, <laughs> the bucket, chainsaw. chainsaw. I'm what- why have they got multiple chainsaws as well? (laughs) (laughs) They've got like a kind of like my first chainsaw and then they've got like Ash from the Evil Dead chainsaw as well, haven't they? She kind of picks one up and goes, no, they're too small. And then she goes, oh, this one's fucking massive. I'll use that one. I could replace my arm with this. Oh, better film. (laughs) I I feel like they were writing it and they're like, right, they've got the passengers that stuck behind this fire door. They can't get out of it and they were just like i genuinely don't know how to open this door let's put a chainsaw in there and hope (laughs) no one notices it's the only way it makes sense to me but at the same time i like the idea that there are just chainsaws on cruise ships bit fun next time you go on though you just go where do you keep your chainsaw (laughs) (laughs) next time you run a fucking disney cruise (laughs) and you see like mickey mouse going whoa with a chainsaw (laughs) running down the, the hallway 
I just love the thought of they're all sat around at the script meeting and be like, how are we going to get this door open? And someone goes, well, chainsaw? Groovy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next one. How does it get so quickly from night to day? Well, how can I uh, <laughs> Maybe they're really close to the equator. <laughs> Isn't it like chain? Doesn't night night like night turn from night to day really quickly? So, do the events night. happen at night time, right? Because they're all on a d- dinner dance. It's very yeah. romantic. They're all having dinner. So what? You got to think that's like seven seven thirty p.m. Well, the fourteen year old girl was still up. So yeah, it's not like two o'clock in the morning because that'd be yeah. bad parenting, right? So I yeah, mean, not great parents. It could be two in the morning, and it it's still dark when. Uh, the lifeboats go out. The lifeboats go out, and then what happens after that? I still think it's dark while they're all running around downstairs with a chainsaw, and then it's light when they go under the boat for the the big propeller thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when yeah. they go to try and stop the propeller, it's daytime all of a sudden, and it's like it's almost like these shots work better in the daytime. <laughs> <laughs> I've asked my own question, haven't I? Yes. <laughs> I, mean, I, I like to think that uh, knots are actually just much faster than Dave said they were at the start of the episode. No, I've Googled it. Maybe well, they've hit the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> like, that's what it is. They're in, yeah. they're in another space. Knots times international water equals shut your fucking mouth. This, this <laughs> ship can move. 20, 20 knots is 23 point zero one five six miles an hour and that's pretty much when they start counting down from at the end <laughs> just um, uh, what else have we got here uh oh uh was alex arrested for being a pedophile <laughs> you'd hope <laughs> oh god he saves her in the end yeah, no. well, this it's like she gets stuck in the elevator, makes her own way out. This point, they're like, how, did how does st- she make her own way out? Uh, she just like crab climbs out of the, the roof yeah. of the elevator, doesn't she? Or something the lift, like that. Yeah. yeah, and then they're like, oh, how do we slow the ship down? Like, oh, we've got to open these ballast doors. She just happens to be in the way of where all the water's going to come flooding in saves her and then she signs is it something like by the way i'm 15 next month or something (laughs) (laughs) and then he's just like kids will be kids right his words are his words to her are relationships based on extreme situations rarely work out not (laughs) you are 14 years old like which is a weird line to play because I know that's Sandra Bullock's is it earlier on in the film, but that's Keanu Reeves' line from the the the, the end of the first film. Yeah. So he's quoting his uh, quoting him. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't work. But again, like we all remember, this was meant to be Keanu Reeves and a, a guy called Jack doing this. So okay. Even still, let a fourteen-year-old know. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like you're, you're, it won't work out because you're 14, and I'm a gro- I'm a yeah. I'm a grown man with a receding hairline. <laughs> <laughs> you know, boundaries do still apply in international waters. Yeah. I'm sure he. I know he knew how to sign that. <laughs> that's that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I'll be put in boat jail. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yar, it be the brig for you, Captain <laughs> Nonce. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. But walk in the plank. Uh, who, who, who gives a shit? 
Fucking silly film. I think this is a question we've kind of like skirted around, but what was Geiger's end game? Like what, what where did he where did he see where did he see like even if he got away, he is he has blown up an oil tanker and and has like crashed a sh- even if his plan goes to plan. I think you're genuinely yeah. giving this movie far too much credit. It's the diamonds. <laughs> and also, did he was the plane just there or did it was the was the plane meant to be there? Yes. <laughs> that's the that's the only answer I can give. Both, I, I, my my reading of it was my my reading was that first and foremost he wanted revenge because of the old copper. Mm-hmm. They also just happened to have. Is it like the jewelers of America showing these multi-million dollar bits and pieces around because there's I don't know, some kind of bidding. It's probably quite a fancy yeah. cruise. They go into a super high-tech ship safe, which he also just happens to know how to crack. He doesn't he never really outright mentions also wanting the jewels, but Alex kind of like cops him coming out of the safe at one point. So I I guess I would imagine it was also part of the plan because he has every intention to escape. I, if I'm giving him more credit than he probably deserves, blow up the boat one, steal the jewelry two, escape and get the F out of there on a seaplane three. I'm assuming that's the plan. I've got another question. What was his original plan? <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> um, like, <laughs> the boat was going to crash into what originally? Because the, the oil tanker was luck that that was there. That was never the the full plan and he never really wanted to crash it into that part of the island wasn't it going to crash into some cliffs maybe we're on course to to hit into some cliffs and to be fair he did say you can take people you can get everyone off the boat no one no one else has to die i'm just gonna crash the boat but But then he also does shut the fire doors like with not enough time for everyone to get off the boat as well so like he does he doesn't really give people the time to actually evacuate the boat well, yeah, he's got to be a semi-arsehole. I guess. <laughs> I think as part, as part of his plan, only the captain had to die, according to the plan. So then, like, a Django Fett would be left to pilot the ship. And then, you know, my answer is, I, I, I just don't think I care enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly my answer. I was just thinking it's, of it. It's like, yeah, I whatever. genuinely don't care. Whatever. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it is the only answer I can give. I think that's what the film wants you to say as well. It's like, just just don't think about this too much. Hopefully you've lost the will to live by now, so uh, you're not going to look into any of these plot holes. <laughs> just, just, just leave it. Just leave it. Yeah. Yeah, as far it as do- anything else. It does feel like a film that should only be an hour long, and then they were like, how can we drag this out at the end four times? Uh, and would it it, would it be a better film if it was under siege free (laughs) would would you have liked to see seagull go against defoe one-on-one of course of course i'd have paid money for that yeah 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 of course of course i mean i would prefer to see a seagull you get close to it in the lighthouse <laughs> robert pattinson and william defoe's in that movie so yeah I, I think you could have replaced jason patrick with a seagull and you wouldn't have noticed <laughs> truth be told 
What, Stephen or Jason? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, God. Any more, any more questions? I've just got, at the beginning of the beginning, when she's driving the bad driving test. Oh, I yeah. forgot about that, yeah. Um, and there's she somehow doesn't see what's happening right in front of her eyes. I thought that's ridiculous. She's like, oh, why, are you, why are you shouting at me? It's like, because there's a fucking roadblock and you're going to crash into the SWAT team, which we haven't even mentioned Joe Morton returns for a, a two-second cameo in this film from the first film. And he's not even in the credits. So it does begs the question, did he ask not to be in the film? <laughs> <laughs> I'll do this. Cover <laughs> of darkness. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while since... You know, I feel a point I probably should have raised a lot sooner. It's been a long time since I've watched the first Speed, but like, again, I I could be wrong. This might just like my, my brain altering it to make it just monumentally better than this by comparison. I don't recall Sandra Bullock's character being as much of a dum dum in the first one. Mm. I could be wrong, but at the, the point you raised there, Dave, the whole driving bit at the start where she's made out to be such a fucking idiot. And she's like, oh, I can't break. I can't stop here at any point. The poor poor driving instructor's having a heart attack. Right at the end of the movie, where they do that little, like, credit clip as well, like, oh, that bus was going a bit fast. Wink to camera. (laughs) And then, like, the screen screen just, like, goes black for the credits, and then you hear her crash again. And I'm like... Mm. I feel like you and I, as an audience member, have learnt nothing by still being here. <laughs> you know? But Yeah. No. Yes. <laughs> I don't I, I'm with you. I don't think she was that like that in the first one. No, and and that clip at the end as well shows that there's been no character development whatsoever. Like, do you know what I mean? Like she is like her character has learned mm. nothing. Yeah. You know I mean? Like she's not thought, do you know what? I've had to be responsible for other people's lives. I've, I've once again helped people live, but I'm still just going to be an absolute selfish airhead and like not not pay attention on the fucking road. And it's like what, like what, like I don't. There should be some kind of like nobody seems. I don't. I just don't know what is like the next day for most of these people. Do you know what I mean? Like Jason Patrick Jail. Like uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think dead well, after definitely. that car crash. Like, yep. And hope, uh, yeah, I think so. I've got I mean, one more question. <laughs> when he crashes the plane into the boat at the end, how does he crash that plane? How does he pierce himself? Like, sorry, the the plane is basically being speared through the middle of the plane. Instead, when it looks like he goes straight into the pile again, is it just yes? <laughs> yes. Stop me if you've heard this one before. <laughs> <laughs> me and me and Bertrand were talking about this though, because obviously you know Alex pulls Annie out of the seaplane because she's been taken hostage at this point. Oh. You know, they, they've stopped the whole under propeller thing. Don't worry about it. It's it's you know whatever. <laughs> then it's just low gliding, just about gets it over the oil tanker, crashes into and also on top of the foremast. Yes. And then he wakes up. Is fine. Laughs so hard that the entire oil tanker explodes. <laughs> <laughs> Even by nineties action logic. All right then. <laughs> the plane must be leaking oil, but what ignites? Well, there must be a flicker of yeah, a flame I mean, somewhere. In real life, that 
just it, it doesn't work like that. Just like, the foe's charm. The, <laughs> so electric. It's going to be really boring now, but petrol explodes in an engine because it's under compression. <laughs> it doesn't just explode. Like it'll burn, but it doesn't explode unless it's under compression. So it doesn't like if there's if there's fuel leaking out, if there's oil leaking out of the oil tanker, it doesn't just explode. <laughs> That's what, <laughs> what a nerd a would say. I mean, <laughs> the only I'm, I'm, again, the, I think this has kind of been like the the sort of kicker of this like episode. It's just trying to give this, trying to make sense of the senseless in Speed Two. The only absolute stretch of a theory I can come up with because when it's speared on top. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm I'm not going to try and explain what the I'm using air quotes here, listeners. Science of this is, <laughs> but something from the plane is leaking down. Yeah, assuming oil. Is there something about his copper blood that's more flammable? Oh, <laughs> Maybe. Now you're onto something. I'm just I'm just going to throw it out there. <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there. I think this man has flammable blood. <laughs> Do you think his blood is like orange and shiny? <laughs> I mean, yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only way it makes sense for me. Honestly. Oh, geez, uh, yeah, if you'd see his eyes close up, they're like the vampires in Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> I've got another question. When, <laughs> when they're on the plane and she, and Alex gets uh, Sandra Bullock out of the plane onto the, the buoy, the, 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 the floaty bit, and it drops, right, and crushes his nuts... How do they release that? Because you don't, it just seems to, they get, is it weight that pulls them down? Basically, I'm asking you guys to make this a good film for me. Um, I don't, and, and that seems to have like an engine of its own as well, because it, it, it like kind of propels through the water. Well, again, science. Uh, <laughs> right? Gravity? Also, Momentum. you are massively overestimating my abilities if you want me to make this a good movie. <laughs> yeah. and there's We've like... known each other a long time. That ain't happening. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we'd be remiss not to mention as well, Jason Patrick kind of like flip-flopping through the water like a dolphin as well. And that kind of like harpoon-like fishing rod. That he's... <laughs> and how good's the harpoon gun as well? That it can drag him behind a plane like that. Also, like you were saying, 1997, year of the harpoon guns then, and face-off as well. Yeah. Big, big year for harpoon sales. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely skyrocketed after this. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one on order. <laughs> and why is that guy like this? It's like, the thing is, every question we we ask, another one arises. Why is that guy got that harpoon? Like, do you know what I mean? He's, he's supposed to be chirping a woman on a date. He's like, yeah, <laughs> trying to show off. I've got this harpoon gun. Just, do you know what I mean? Are we sure he's meant to be the same character from the first film, the Maurice character? I, I believe think, so. I believe, I believe yeah, he, he makes is. reference to the LAPD. So is yeah. that because that's no, that's only for the audience, that isn't it? That's not for the people in the film because none of those people in the film have met him. For the speed fans out there, the real ones, <laughs> for, the speed- <laughs> for the speedos out there. <laughs> Who absolutely lived for this? I think. I think the most important question, and this kind of links into one of my favourite recurring features of Daryl Reed's favourite letterbox reviews. Oh, brilliant! Uh, the most popular review of Speed Two um, logged April twenty sixteen. Why does this exist? <laughs> I think. Sure. I mean, I think that should be on the poster. <laughs> 
<laughs> it existed because speed was a huge huge hit on a very small budget and then every studio in hollywood thought we can do that and then it turns out they couldn't because no. you can't put a bomb on fucking everything <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a direct challenge to hollywood <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you what you can't put a bomb oh, on. So. I will put a bomb. <laughs> Got a bomb on a B. Cannot flap. <laughs> hey, people oh, want B movie sequel. People want B movie two. <laughs> B movie two cruise control. Coming, coming hey, soon. What's, what's the deal with this bomb on this B? Barry B. Benson has become a terrorist for some reason uh, in the B movie sequel. Hey, I mean, if okay. you're not going to give us back our honey, we'll take it back by force. What's that about? <laughs> I've got copper in my blood. <laughs> Matthew Broderick's gone rogue. Uh, hey, uh, I'm going to fuck this woman. <laughs> I think I mean, we've lost our minds. <laughs> Yes, and I mean other other letterbox reviews I enjoyed here. A one star review. Willem Dafoe has a jar of leeches who he refers to as his boys. Uh, next one and a half. Imagine my disappointment when Willem Dafoe brings his jar of leeches, and it's not even part of his villainous scheme. And I think another one, sort of circling back to how Alex can do everything. One and a half star review. After everything that happened, he still had the ring in his pocket. Unreal. <laughs> so. I love that there's a moment in this film that he loses his shirt, and then the next time we see Alex, he's just got a random shirt and he's putting it on. It's like, I we fucking... need to keep this PG. Like, it's like... I fucking clocked that as well. I mean, at that point, <laughs> like, like you're in a you're you're in a life or death situation. He's like, yeah, but I've got to keep modest. Come on, got to hide my nips. Come yeah. on, Jesus, the bed. <laughs> got to keep this a PG thirteen. Yeah, you know, like what rating? What rating was this, Petros? By the way, this yeah. is a PG in the UK. No, because like, there's too many shits for a PG. Surely, no. There's no, a lot of. Lot. Yeah. Yeah, Do you used to get away with a lot of shits in PGs? Yeah, really? it's like ten shits and a fuck you can have in a PG. Oh, okay, because <laughs> there's one point then they all it's like a comedian bit when they all say shit, shit, shit at the same point. I thought that's quite funny. Again, that was a high point. <laughs> <laughs> ten shits and a fuck. Title of my sex tape. Do you do you guys remember the 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 song that was released with Speed Two by any chance? No, by UB40. Wasn't UB40? It was called a, uh, uh, and she's in the film. She, I think she sings it. She's called Tamara or something. Tamia, Tamia, and it's called Make Me Beautiful. And I just want to read someone's comment on YouTube to you about it. Okay, <laughs> uh, so let's remember this was 1997. Tamia Speed Two. Cruise control version of Celine Dion's Titanic, My Heart Will Go On. Both women did an amazing job doing a music video about two doomed ships on course for disaster and also about two couples both trapped on a doomed ship trying to survive. But too bad, Tamiya's version doesn't get the same recognition as Celine Dion's version. Very underrated. Now, I love that they compare Titanic and, and Speed 2 in there and, and both songs. And if you haven't listened to it, it's beautiful. Go check it out. Because I did, I did wonder. I was like, "What's on the soundtrack with UB40?" And this is a period when 
they release songs to go with blockbuster movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then they always do those brilliant videos when they intercut the movie with the, the singer. I'm pretty uh, sure there's a Shaggy song in there somewhere. There's, there? I've got the whole playlist up if you want it. <laughs> we've got Jimmy Cliff on there. We've got uh, Common Ma- Sense. Max- Mark Morrison is on there. Oh, it's got Every Breath You Take by Sting and the Police. Maxi Priest which- is on there. I've got it. Every breath you take by Sting the Police has my best, like, misheard lyric ever. Um, he says, he sings, My poor heart aches. I swear to God, it sounds like he says, My poo hole aches. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you my listen God. to that song, keep an ear out for that. <laughs> <laughs> but also, the soundtrack was also um, badly reviewed, as well as the movie. So. Well- I've got to say, soundtrack aside, the like the music by uh, Mark Mancina is fucking awful. <laughs> like it, it sounds like low rent, like Nintendo Wii music. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. a scene where they're like they're getting aboard the ship, and I was like, what? What is this? Like, there's nothing dramatic about it. It's always like. I don't know, like, yeah, like something you'd get on like a low rent Mario game. Do you know what I mean? Like one of the ones, like, they're like, yeah, this one's for the diehard fans. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like, I don't know. None no. of the music goes on what's go- what's going on to screen, and that's a that's a shame. <laughs> the film literally ends on like a, a speed theme techno remix as well. <laughs> well, actually, looking at the soundtrack, the, it was uh, a bonus track for the Jap- uh, the Japan release. Speed TK remix TK party mix. <laughs> Lucky them. <laughs> they so I think the real winners here are the uh, the Japanese speed fans um, who got access to the party mix back in nineteen ninety seven. So the joke was on all of us. Um, I feel like. We don't we don't really like bringing up sort of the Razzies because obviously they're just like joke versions of the awards and they're always notoriously just bad. But with a film like Speed 2, I, I do note that Speed 2 had uh, nine Razzie nominations at the 1998 Razzies. It did win in the category of Worst Remake or Sequel. Defoe was nominated for Worst Supporting Actor. No! But this was, and again, air quotes here, this was, air quotes, won by Dennis Rodman for his role as Yaz in Double Team. Okay. So, you know, grain of salt. (laughs) (laughs) Every salt, every cloud, I guess. Can you tell me what sequels it was up against, just out of interest? Let's see if we can find that stuff. Uh, Let me. If you can't, don't worry about it. You can edit this out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, oh no no what we'll do is we'll, we'll leave in me sweating as I try to find the IMD this is my own speed right now <laughs> if I do not find oh, I've got a speed two fact that me- nearly meant we didn't we wouldn't be making this podcast but apparently Gary Oldman was supposed to be the baddie and uh, and turned it down at the last minute to make Air Force One yes which, uh, I think we can all agree was a terrible choice <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I have found the nominees Okay. Uh, in Worst Remake or Sequel. Again, the slight spoiler that Speed 2 wins. Also nominated was Mikhail's Navy. Uh, as we've mentioned, Batman and Robin. Oh, there we uh, go. Also mentioned this episode, The Lost World Jurassic Park. Oh, that's been up. Yeah, we've had that on Worst Sequel. And yeah. Home Alone 3. 
Yeah. That one that no one okay. remembers. Is that the one with Scarlett Johansson in? Uh, let's have a look. Oh, God, I'm well, really so sorry, Daryl. I've got a lot of time for that film, but then again, it is, as we've established, I was six years old and I was an idiot when I saw it. <laughs> Scarlett Johansson was in a Home Alone 3. Little fact for you, your Hanson fans out there. Get out of our podcast. This isn't for her. <laughs> Gone. Scram. Get out of here. But I, th- I, th- I think uh, before we all officially lose our minds to copper poisoning... Um, are there any further questions <laughs> or, or uh, moments, scenes from this film that anyone would like to raise that, that we have not touched upon so far or forever hold your peace? I better not. <laughs> I mean, I, I ran out of stuff about an hour ago. So, uh... <laughs> Rich's opening gambit, was it? Just a bad <laughs> that was it. Done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we all said what we had to say about 90 minutes ago, but we are still here because content is king. Um, so I think I think on that note, it is time to bring it to the wrap-up portion of the episode. We have three important points of business. The first is Willem Dafoe. Does he do deface? We start with our guests, Dave or Rich, whoever you'd like to take it first willem defoe does he do the face yes yes he does he it, he's more likely to do the face in this film than not the face to be honest and i think if i'm wrong this is one of the most famous of the faces isn't it isn't it um yeah. when he's just kicking off alex from the platoon or at the side when he's been underwater or whatever and he's wide-eyed he's got that massive defoe grin he looks fucking crazy but there's many points in this film. Uh, like you said, at the end where he just smiles and the boat blows up. There's the bit when he looks through Alex through the glass door as well and they just smile at each other. Even at the beginning when he's talking to Sandra Bullock, crazy fucker. Yeah, all the way through. Easy. Yeah, I mean, Dave said it all. <laughs> yeah, this is basically a movie of the face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it, I think it's very vital to add that this might be uh, the most famous of the defaces if you just Willem Dafoe in a gift search at any point. You know, n- not to speak for you, Petros, and assume your answer, but it was the red face on this one for you as well. Yeah, I've got a few listed. So I've got, he, like, he gives Annie, like, a cheeky look when he's, like, flirting with her at the bar, like, as she walks away, like, the way, like, glances are up and down, like, kind of has this big grimace. Anytime he's hacking, he's kind of like goblin. He's he's a computer. Um, When he throws the captain overboard, that's a big one. That's a big one. Throughout the whole chase, when they're doing the cat and mouse like thing throughout the ship with him and Alex, and he's got his like little computer go beep, beep, boop, 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 like there. Yeah. And the propeller confrontation, like that that bit where it's like, it kind of comes out of nowhere though, because he's kind of like quite measured. Then he's like, Like all of a sudden, then like just goes back to being quite measured, like and yeah, he's really twinkle toed as well. The fact that they don't notice him kind of come out on that bit as well. It's like what? Like have you not noticed a man who's like <laughs> come out and sabotaged your plan? It's like where was it? Just like hiding behind something. Yeah. He was hiding behind the stairs, and they were both looking at him. I'm not going to go <laughs> into it anymore. <laughs> yeah, so it's the face from me. Yeah, do, do your own fucking research, people. We're sick of it, honestly. <laughs> Uh, the next question and with this one we are concerned with the character of Geiger not Willem Dafoe but the character of Geiger does Geiger have BDE 
big Defoe energy, big dick energy. We go back to our guests. BDE for Geiger, yay or nay? Oh, God. I don't know. I think, uh, I think he, he, he's definitely got big Defoe energy, but, um, but he, he does. This is the sexy the season, Rich. This is the sexy season. Come on. I was just thinking, though. Come on. He does have the energy of a small peened man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, he's been wronged too many times. He's middle aged and he just can't take it anymore. You know, that's that's the energy he's giving off. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if his wife left him. Like, you know, yeah. he just he's lost his job, lost his wife. Yeah, all he's got left, all he's got left is the leeches. <laughs> yeah, the midlife crisis comes for us all in different ways. You know? I think also the hair—he he kind of has the long hair. He looks like that weird gif where Willem Dafoe's face gets photoshopped on um, on uh, Pretty Woman. You said those memes, yeah. Oh, you better it believe. Like, it's got similar hair. <laughs> We're doing a full episode on that. That alone, <laughs> pixel by pixel, baby. <laughs> Don't you worry. Yeah. So I think I, I think I'm hearing a, a, a small dick energy there for Geiger is what I'm hearing, Rich. I think so. I think so. Right, got one in the small column. Uh, I think he's got big dick energy in this. I mean, you have to to try and pull this off, right? <laughs> but single-handedly, he, has, he hasn't even got a crew. And when he puts that captain uniform on, for no reason from what I understand in this movie, <laughs> no reason, because the only people he bumps into is the captain, and he doesn't have to be wearing it at that point. And then the two ladies have the picture, but he doesn't know he's going to have that picture with them. But when he does get that picture with the two ladies, he is oozing like, well, if I could just push you back a couple more hours, we could... You know, <laughs> frupple. Because <laughs> we all know the rumours about old Defoe, and I, I reckon he knows old Geiger. I mean, his name's Geiger. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. John Geiger. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think, I think he does. I think when he's, like I said, when he's um, talking to Sandra Bullock at the beginning, he's definitely down to fuck at the beginning. And I think he's annoyed when he sees Alex and Alex's um, uh, looks. Probably, I know you said he's a balding man, but he's not a bad-looking man. That is old Jason Patrick. I mean, that's a good jawline. Mm -hmm. Surely we can. Yeah, agree. I think he saw her and thought, "Hey, I've got some leeches. Let's get (laughs) down back to my place and see my leeches." (laughs) (laughs) It has just dawned on me as well that this is a character called John Geiger, and we are led to believe that he has some kind of like radiation poisoning. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. Like, this is like fucking like villain naming one hundred and one, isn't it? It's like day one, like radiation poisoning. What do you think of radiation? What detects radiation? Geiger counter. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Here's our villain. <laughs> Who wrote this character? Stan Lee. <laughs> <laughs> and they say Hollywood's out of ideas at this point. <laughs> Don't believe it. <laughs> Don't yeah, believe the lies. He's got BDE for me. Lovely stuff. So one for small, one for big. Petros, where do you stand on Geiger? BDE or nay? So let's go. Let's go to my my handy uh, table here. <laughs> Pros and cons column. So big dick point for he's using leeches to purify his blood. <laughs> That's cool. That's pretty big dick energy. Pretty badass. 
Yeah, he's he, he's not he's he's not he's not worrying about big pharma, even though he's chomping down pills like he's Max Payne. Another another pro point: he wills death upon him. He is like death, come for me, baby. Like when he laughs in that in that plane, he's like, I'm ready to die. Um, a con point here: he's the villain. That's pretty small dick energy. He's got an evil plan. That's pretty Ooh. small. Dick energy. Another another con point here he chastises the bellboy which leads me to my final pro point which is he chastises the bellboy, <laughs> who is who is a bellic. and uh like I've, I've got some yeah there's a question i should have raised earlier is why didn't the bellboy leave his room because when we notice him like when he's found he's not tied up he's just sat in john Guy's <laughs> wardrobe essentially just like I think, yeah, that's a good point. I think trouserless yeah. as well. He's just in shorts and the vest. <laughs> Maybe yeah. it's because he'd felt his, his BDE. <laughs> mm. yeah. Geiger's a prankster. I was saying to Petros off record, like, for a laugh, because the bellboy annoyed me, I would have shot him, but that's just me. Yeah. No, agreed. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I can't help but think he modelled his performance on Rob Schneider in Home Alone 2. He's got that same energy when he's yeah. like, he's like, I'm sure when you're leaving, you'll give me big gratuity. Like he's kind of got that, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, that same energy. I just wanted, I just wanted Jason Patrick to put a, a used chewing gum in his hand, like the fucking prick he is. Yes, the, the Schneider decider has determined you are guilty of sin, bellboy. <laughs> um, so on, on on those points, I think. It, well, my column, the the pros outweigh the the cons here. I I just think, yeah, like on Dave's point, the fact that he like is a one man crew and like does does all of this solo, it's pretty BDE in my in my book. Like I don't know, like you can't besmirch a man for being into computers. Like that that doesn't like. Well, come on, we pass that. Like I, I was about to say, he has a good plan, but I'm not quite sure he does because we're not quite sure what that plan is. So don't listen to my arguments. <laughs> no, but he's 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 he's, going, he's chasing his dreams, baby. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he, he's a man that if if science has anything to say, he's got two years to live. So this all feels quite redundant to do all of this for for the sake of two years. But he's going for it, and you know what? If you've got a bucket list and you want to tick it off, robbing a ship for some diamonds, that's some big dick energy to me, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah, so one for small, two for big. And who are we to trample on the entrepreneurial spirit of the copper poisoned out there? <laughs> I mean, I think for me, all very, very valid points on big or small. I think on the balance of probability, I'm going to say big because he didn't come onto a child. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> So I'm going to say one for small, three for big. I've got, I've got one more sore. question on the copper poisoning. Oh, How God. is that affecting the erections? Is that, is that, is that making them play, painful? Is that a pain? It for makes them glow did, orange. Did the leeches go everywhere? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't When he wants not. an erection, he just pops one on. <laughs> Nature's I mean, Viagra, baby. Oh, God. I mean, I almost think the opposite of that, Petros, because if anything, he's got too much blood. Yep, yep. So, anti-Viagra, that's all I'm saying. Look at me fucking speaking like I know anything about copper poisoning. Jesus Christ, what is wrong with me? I think this brings us on to the most important question, the final question of the three in this wrap-up. The rating, of course. Uh, we don't just give the movies a thumbs up or a thumbs down in Willem Dafoe fashion. We give them a friend or a Dafoe 
with our final thoughts as well. So for the final time, over to our guests, Dave and Rich, de friend or de foe on Speed 2 Cruise Control. I mean, it's Defoe, isn't it, for me? <laughs> I watched this again under protest. I'm not going to lie. We love you for it. Uh, I've been sitting here for the last hour and a half thinking, what am I going to... Oh, hour and 46 minutes now. And thinking, what am I going to say here? Because it's definitely... I know I said at the beginning I've come round to it and it's not as bad as it as I first thought it was. But after discussing it in length with so many questions with you nice gentlemen, I, I can't say it's a defriend. I can't I can't do that. I can't become a, a de fan of of this 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 de sequel. Am I doing it right? <laughs> yeah, you, you got it. You got it. <laughs> and it is a it is a defoe, but a defoe with a like I think defoe is is great in it and he's the highlight, but it is uh, a a de bad film. It's a Defoe for me. I'm afraid. Sorry. No, no. I, you know, before we'd even start recording, I had a feeling where this was going. <laughs> um, so finish on a high. Two in the Defoe column. Uh, Petros, defriend or Defoe? Oh, it's got to be a Defoe from me. Like, despite <laughs> despite Willem Defoe, like, kind of really putting in a shift, and as we've discussed in this episode, like he is the only one who seems to know that the film that they are making and kind of relishes that and really puts in a shift of just kind of, I don't know, bonkers, villainous stuff that is just like, it's fun. It's fun whenever he's on screen, but he's not on screen enough to save the movie. And like, God bless him. But yeah, it's a big, 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 fat, stinky Defoe for me. Three Defoes, and naturally I think I'm going to make it uh, four for four. On the Defoe's, you know, part of me just wanted to be an absolute bastard and say a friend. But, you know, I think before I watched this, I was like, oh, maybe there's going to be some, like, ironic enjoyment in this by now, knowing how the reputation precedes this film and how bad it is received. And 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 I'll say in all seriousness, while I don't think it quite deserves a 4% critical review on Rotten Tomatoes, I don't think it's that bad. I don't think even necessarily it's a poorly made film. I mean... The, the cardinal sin, I think, as we joked about at the start, if this was just called Cruise Control, I think life would have been a lot more forgiving. It would have just been forgot in the history of all the action movies that came out in the 90s. But it had to be a goddamn speed sequel. And I think its cardinal sin is that it tries to create the pretense of drama where there is none, and it's just very boring. And God bless Willem Dafoe for trying. But I think my the final question is... Can a film give you copper poisoning? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if if we if we don't return for season three, well, there's your answer. We all died. So we Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I love on the end of last season you got to have this really in-depth conversation about Antichrist and you know, all the themes <laughs> in that food or like last Von Trier film, and then season two ends on fucking copper poison. Like, what the f- <laughs> You're doing great, lads. Keep it up. <laughs> Listen, we can't be smart all the time, all right? <laughs> Sometimes I'm so sorry. <laughs> we will we'll say as you know, when we announced this podcast, Speed 2 was a big request. And now we're going to die because of it. So <laughs> we're going to end the season gaslighting the listeners. 
I hope you're happy. I hope you're happy, all those people on Twitter. What are you doing, Speed 2? We've fucking done it, all right? We paid for it. No more requests. No more requests. The gate is shut for requests. Stop DMing us about Speed 2. Um, You've got all... UB40 and have it, all right? <laughs> oh, right. All jokes aside, though, all jokes aside, it is left for us to say, you know, as we start bringing things to a close, Dave and Rich, Rich and Dave, thank you so much for coming out of Speed 2 retirement to take <laughs> to take this, this cruise with us one more time. Uh, a pleasure and a privilege to wrap up the season with you. Uh, for the dear listeners of the DeFoca Motion Train, where can we find you on the interwebs, the socials, and all that good such business? Oh, you can find us on all the things. We're on all the things, and we're at Unequal Sequel on all of them. So we are on whatever Twitter is today. I don't know. Who, who knows? We're on threads. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We're on letterbox we're on something called blue sky that i still don't know what that is but you can we're we're at unequal secret all those things or if you're off of the 90s like this movie you can also send us an email we're unequal secret hotmail.com you can get in, get in touch with us there um because yeah we like those um but yeah just give us a listen you'll find us on all your pod player of choice you know we're, we're there just search unequal sequel. We're all the things. Yeah, we're on, we're on hiatus at the moment. We're not hiatus from the our main series where we asked our guests best, worst, and dream sequel. We'll be back with that hopefully in an early 2024. But there are five other series with some absolutely stunning guests uh, making us work, watch some absolutely brilliant pieces of cinema and some true toilet. Uh, like oh, this. Yeah. And, and and Jurassic World Dominion 15 times, <laughs> times <Thanks>. yeah sorry <laughs> and, yeah thanks Petros and this won't be the last time that Speed 2 comes up so we get to watch this again at some point <laughs> no no it's gonna happen god you're on a you're on your own cruise control at five knots straight back to this movie <laughs> oh what a joy what a blessing what a privilege but with that said it is time to crash this episode into the harbour with onlookers not paying any attention and wrap up the season accordingly by saying, I've been Daryl. I've been Petros. I've been Rich. I've been Dave. And we've been getting to defoe you. What he said. And there you have it for the last time this season. Speed 2 Cruise Control has docked. And may she never <laughs> sail again. <laughs> I'm hoping that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping this is like the the Titanic. I feel like that. That I wish that boat would have been saved. This boat, however, fucking burn it, burn it all down to the ground, <laughs> baby. Yeah, I mean, even now, I um, I can feel the copper poisoning radiating, <laughs> pulsing through my veins. I'm still not convinced that's a real disease. Is it possible to contract a fictitious disease from a film? If this has taught me anything, the answer is yes. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I, I I feel like we need to check in on 
Dave and Rich because I, I don't know you. I've been I've been feeling a bit under the weather since recording this episode. Maybe maybe the copper yeah. poisoning. Maybe talking about it with, <laughs> with tempted fate is a kind of like Friday the like a Friday the thing, like a Freddy Krueger style Nightmare on Elm Street thing where the film yeah. is seeping out. It's like The Ring or something. <laughs> Anytime the anniversary of this film comes around, call it De Friday De Thirteenth. <laughs> I think it's what it will be. Yeah, I think since recording this, I'm a little bit husky. I think we've done a reverse of the last season because you got a bit sick on the uh, end of last season. Now we've flipped fates here. Um, I'm close to what we call in the trade Barry White voice. <laughs> I'm never usually this sexy, but I'm happy to do it at the finale of season two, the sexy season. Uh, yeah, end the sexy season sounding sexy. Do you know what I mean? I, I, if anything, I've got more <laughs> annoying. I've got more nasal. I don't know what it is. Stop smoking cigarettes. So probably like the beginning of season one is, oh, a bit more gravel to his voice. Now it's like, oh, he's just really fucking high. He's getting high-pitched. Like, he's going up there. <laughs> and at my sexy ASMR will be coming to Patreon at some point <laughs> if we ever decide to make one. Um, we need money if we ever want to be recognised in the independent podcast space. We need other people's money. Um, so don't say we're nothing if not honest about our intentions. <laughs> we're doing it for the glory and the clickbait, baby. Um, but our oh, scheming, money-grabbing plots aside for the future, it's time for us to say... Thank you, dear listener, for listening, if you have been, and joining us on this beautifully sexual journey that we have called <laughs> Season 2 of Getting to Foe You, the sexy season. You know, we've got Season 3 coming up. There might be a little tease at the end of all this of what's coming up in Season 3. I don't know. Maybe you have to stick around and find out. And then you can follow us on all the socials where we will be announcing all the bits and pieces that are to come beyond and where can we be found we told them at the top well tell them again petros where can we be found online well you can find us on twitter instagram and tiktok all at the foe you pod uh where yeah you will find out when season three will be dropping what the films are who will be joining us Fear not, if you are not a social media user, we will also be releasing a trailer at some point. Obviously, we'll be doing our regular bonus episode covering the odd or the end of the foe's career. So that is something that is not a film, be it a game, a TV show, something that is ephemeral to the actual cinematic works of the man we love, Willem Dafoe. And of course, uh, in the new year, you will be able to hear our season wrap up where we will be kind of picking through the rubble of the sexy season and seeing how well we now know Defoe after t- 20 movies <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah we've got the recap to come we've got a little in between bit of fun for you season three will come in the new year uh but you know speed to consider this our christmas present to you we didn't keep the receipt and you ain't fucking returning it so enjoy that it's our gift to you we watched it so you don't have to or do watch it and get in touch with us and let us know what you're thinking if you agree with it being a a pie of the trash like Rotten Tomato seems to think or if you think it is the greatest sequel that has ever been and obviously we can't come to the end of the season we can't come to the end of the episode without thanking our editor Mr Matt Dixon for all that he does for us when we're out there on this podcasting cruise liner with a madman at the helm, which could on any other day be me or Petros, because we're both very, very sick boys. 
He is the lifeboat carrying us ashore to make sure that the Defoe Motion cruise line can continue another day. Oh, without without Matt, we are just copper poisoned, rotting, leech ridden messes. So he is <laughs> he is he is the fuel to our fire, the sulphur to our vents. He is the lifeboat to our cruise liner. He is the harpoon gun to our plane. He is the uh, Jason Patrick to our Sandy Bullock. <laughs> oh God bless you, Matt, and all that you do. Uh, and of course, we said it at the top, we said it again. Um, you know, if you enjoy it, if you enjoy what we do, you can find us on all the usual podcast listening platforms. You can give us a little five stars. I think that'll be a very nice Christmas present, Vatros. I don't know about you and all the places we can be found online there as well. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, so Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you can, wherever you're listening to this right now, give us that little, little festive five stars. Give us a little sneak up you you're creeping up the stairs you've had a little bite of the mince pie you've had a little nibble on the carrot and you just you just come up to us and you say merry christmas boys so here's what i think of the podcast stop texting me okay I, you know who you are stop texting me saying how great the podcast is put it on put it online oh i know it's great let other people know <laughs> <laughs> tuck me in give me a little kiss on the forehead and whisper in my ear the sweet nothing that is five stars baby five stars it's it's a revolutionary podcast that takes the medium further than it's ever been and gets to the heart of what these films are really about and gives you primo devote dong chat week in week out baby no one else has the stones <laughs> to talk about a man's cock at the length that we do and not be considered adult fiction um, <laughs> but Fifty to Shades of Grey had to say it <laughs> but with that said it is time to drop the anchor on season two what a joy it's been we will see you for some more very soon and we will see you in the new year but until then have a lovely Christmas, whatever it is that you may be celebrating. Enjoy it with your friends, your family, your loved ones. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. We'll see you in the new year. So thank you for listening. We'll see you next time as we continue to cover all the highs, all the lows, and all things Willem Dafoe right here on Getting Dafoe You. So until next time, we'll see you very soon. Bye-bye for now. Bye!